Welcome to the Same Side Selling Podcast, dedicated to modern sales and marketing, innovation, and leadership. Here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. Welcome to the Same Side Selling Podcast. My guest this week is Jason Bay, who runs Blissful Prospecting with his wife, Sarah. Jason's a returning guest because of the great value he's delivered on his prior appearance. He's one of the true same-side people I've encountered in the prospecting world, and he knows just how to drop the right video or email to prompt a response. We're going to discuss the greatest challenge with prospecting during and coming out of a crisis, the three keys to successful prospecting, and strategies for engaging your potential client when prospecting in or out of a crisis. I always learn a ton, and I'm sure you will, with Jason Bay. Jason Bay, welcome back to the Same Side Selling Podcast. It's good to be back, man. Well, you know what? And I need to fess up to my audience. Jason and I are recording this again because when I recorded the first episode, Jason was brilliant. My system was using the wrong microphone, and it sounded like I was speaking out of an Altoids tin. And so now, fortunately, um, Jason was kind enough to humor me. And we get to record the episode again, which puts a lot of pressure on him because the first time through was pretty brilliant. I know. That's what I was going to say. You put a lot of pressure on me. If you would have just said, you know, he was really terrible the first time <laughs> and he's, he's here to, to reinvent himself. <laughs> <laughs> so can you start by sharing something surprising about you that our audience may not know? So if you've only seen the stuff I post on LinkedIn, I haven't gotten a chance to update my profile picture yet. I have a ton of hair on my head in the LinkedIn picture and I've since shaved my entire head. And uh, I've been doing it since January. So the last three or four months, my wife hates it. So yeah. that's uh, she? Yeah. Yep. She, she hates it. Well, at least, yeah. at least she's not being subtle about it. <laughs> uh, she is not subtle. She's from New York. So yeah. Queens, New York. Yeah. And she's Korean. So if you know anything about Korean culture, they're very open with their family. It's very tight and they make fun of each other and they're not afraid to call stuff out when they see it. So, <laughs> you know what? I can, I can only imagine. I remember as a kid growing up, I got my hair spiked at one point. And so, you know, how old were you? Like what, what I was, was, I, like was maybe, I was maybe like, yeah, I was like maybe 13 or something like that. 13, okay. 14. Went to the place where I get my hair cut forever and said, Hey, I want to get it spiked. So it like sticks up and come back. And we're, and my dad comes home from work. We're all sitting around the dinner table. And my mother had said, oh, if this is what you want to do, that's fine. And, and my dad looks at me, keeps eating, looks at me, keeps, keeps uh, eating. And he looks and he goes, and I said, so, so, Dad, did you notice this? He said, yeah, I did notice. That could be the ugliest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it was just that brutal honesty. And I was like, uh, it wasn't like, he's like, hey, if you want to keep it that way, it's totally up to you. But I just think it's hideous. <laughs> it's like. And the next day, it was like, all right, just wet it down and comb it to the side yeah. and be done with it. Our self-esteem is so so fragile at that age. Yeah. You know, you're going through puberty or you just went through puberty. You've grown a ton. You're trying to do hair cut out because you think it's going to be cool. And then your dad tells you, you don't look that cool, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It was, just, it was just kind of a funny thing because it was just that brutal honesty of – and so accordingly – I have uh, I've adopted that same thing, so it's funny. I remember my wife and I we took a cruise, and someone and someone at the table, and it was a cruise that they had advertised. Hey, there are two nights that are black tie, so you can take this cruise that doesn't have black tie events, and this other cruise that does have black tie events, and this other couple um, 
the wife leans over our table and it was like, we were the youngest people at the table. This is many years ago. We were the youngest people at the table by at least 30 years from everyone there. And this, and the woman next to me says, well, so, you know, they said black tie, but I told him he can wear whatever he wants. What do you think? I said, well, it really doesn't matter what I think. All that matters is that you're comfortable. She goes, no, no, you have an opinion about this. Tell me what you think. I said, it really doesn't matter what I think. And then she asked again and I turned, I turned to Deborah, my wife, and she just kind of rolls her eyes like, oh, no, the woman asked you three times. So you're going to give it what you really think. And I said, well, they advertise it as black tie. So I think if you don't wear a black tie, you're just being disrespectful to everyone else because you could have taken the other crews that didn't have it at all since you asked. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> and there's this dead silence at the table. And I'm like, well, you asked three times. You said you really wanted to know. Yeah. Now you're kind of regretting that, aren't you? <laughs> Well, that's the thing I don't get. And this happens in sales a lot too, where someone asks for feedback or someone's opinion and then they don't like the answer. Yeah. It's a little weird. Yeah. You know, that's just the way it goes. So, so I want to talk about and tap into your expertise because you were my go-to guy when it comes to prospecting with integrity, which Mm -hmm. is an oxymoron in some cases, because I get people trying to prospect to me on LinkedIn and other places and I will tell you that very often I say, look, this is just awful. You should go visit blissfulprospecting.com and learn some things because this is horrible. But um, what are the biggest mistakes that you see people making when it comes to prospecting either in a crisis or coming out of a crisis? Well, okay. So there's a couple of things. I think it starts with, with two things. So first, you know, in sales right now, you're hearing a lot of, you know, be empathetic, right? Have empathy for your prospects. And I don't know if people are necessarily, I kind of look at it like this, Ian. I don't know what your opinion is. I think that most salespeople want to do it the right way. I think they don't know how, or they might be oblivious. And that doesn't necessarily, that's not a good excuse for not doing it the right way. But I think it starts with empathy and understanding what empathy is and what it isn't. So empathy- Talk about that. Yeah, so empathy- I see it oftentimes mistaken for sympathy, which, oh, Ian, that's so bad. I feel bad for you. You know, like that's, that's not good, right? No one needs your prospects don't need your pity. And I also see it being mistaken for being an empath. So an empath is someone that feels other people's emotions. Like you're feeling down. I'm going to feel down. I'm going to, uh, you know, sort of feel the stuff that you're feeling. Empathy is a little bit more distant than that. It's just the ability to get in someone else's shoes and say, Hey, you know, I imagine that's probably pretty stressful or, Hey, I imagine that with all of this stuff going on, your priorities have shifted. You're having to adjust here. And that's probably been really stressful for you for this reason, right? That empathy and being able to think about what the other person's feeling right now is step number one. And what you can't do. And the mistake is if you just start an email and say, Hey, I hope you're doing well with everything. Oh, by the way, uh, my company is, you know, blissful prospecting and we help people with this and I'd love to help you and you'd be a really good fit. When can we meet? That's not really empathy. So I think you got to really adjust your approach to, and you start with your customers. Your customers are the best place to have the conversation to know what is going on in your prospect's head. And just ask them like, how has life changed for you right now? How have your priorities shifted? What is now top of mind for you and what is keeping you from accomplishing the things that are on your priority list? And that's how you lead the sales conversations with empathy is by acknowledging, hey, Ian, I, you know, I, I'm talking to a lot of sales leaders right now and what they're telling me is this. These are their challenges. These are their priorities. Not sure if that's 
on the top of your list right now, but if it is, we're helping our customers do this. And I'd like to share something helpful around that. Yeah. You know what? Cool I, if I, I send it your way. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I love that because the, the notion, one of the things that I also find is that people say, Oh, you have, you have to show empathy and it's, and it's all just, it's all just for show. So it's almost like, it's almost like the world of virtue signaling. It's like, Oh wow. Things must be tough for you. Yeah. Well, let me show you this watch. <laughs> it's like, dude, like that's not it. Like you, you have to make it relevant to them. You can't just do something that you say, well, look, here's what I'm trying to do. Here's the way I'm trying to pull stuff in for what matters to me and what I'm trying to sell. We've got to pivot it so that whatever we're presenting is helpful and is solving something for the client, not just something that we're trying to sell to them. Exactly. And and that's the second part of it you just alluded to there is being helpful. So people don't like a prospect doesn't necessarily need your empathy. That's a good way to get the conversation started. Really what they need is insights. So what everyone wants to know right now is what their peers are doing. So I was talking to a a rep at a construction company. Uh, He sells software for project managers at construction companies, right? And I'm coaching him around his cold calls and he's getting really into like what the product does and the features in the cold call, right? (laughs) He wants to set up a demo to talk about the product to a project manager I was like, stops for a second. So let's just think, I always like to talk about um, really what the process is around design thinking. So how companies like HBO and yeah, that have digital products and then Apple physical products, how they design products. And the first step is empathy. So they think a lot about the person using it. And that's where I like to start with prospecting is think about the person, what it's like being on the receiving end of cold outreach. What's that user experience like? I was like, these project managers, so when you call them, what do you think they're doing? He's like, well, they're running around like a chicken with their head cut off. They're running around at job sites. They're having to manage things. Like life is crazy as a project manager in a construction company. I was like, okay, so what do you think it's like when they get a cold call from someone? Well, they probably get pitched a lot. They don't have time. They're working on other things. They're not necessarily a decision maker. I was like, yeah, so you need to do all the, you need to do the exact opposite of what they normally get. So why don't you be more inquisitive about the challenge that they're having and, and say, hey, I'm talking to other people like you. And one of the things they're telling me right now is if they've up to this point used spreadsheets to manage their projects, they're having a heck of a time keeping projects profitable when they have to manage materials costs. They got to coordinate with 12 other subcontractors. And oh, by the way, you know, they got to get done with work at the end of the day and spend time with their family. You know what I mean? So like really empathize. That's, that's empathy. That's really thinking about what it's like on their end. And I was like, skip the features and benefits altogether and just talk about the results that you help people with and see if they'd be interested in talking about the results and things that you see in people doing this really well, what they're doing, not the demo for your product. Yeah. You know what it's, and, and this is something that I think is lost on so many people, which is if you ask most, if you ask most people who are prospecting, what's your goal? They will say, well, my goal is to either get the meeting or set up a demo. Mm-hmm. And I would say, no, your goal is to understand your client situation to see whether or not you can help. So if yeah. you understand their situation well enough to see if you can help, if you can pique their interest by how, how you've helped other people like them, then all of a sudden, instead of you trying to convince them, what you might, what you might say to them is, look, there's only two or three reasons why a project manager like you would be interested in what we do. 
And people have been telling us that they're having this problem, this problem, or that problem. And for people facing that, they tell me we deliver amazing results. I don't yet know if we can help you, though. Is that something you're facing, or should we hang up right now? And now it's like the person either, either says, yeah, I'm facing one of those issues, or no, I'm not. And if they're not, if you keep talking, it's not going to all of a sudden convince them that they do have those problems. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I just want to call it a couple of things you did there. So I've been calling this, this way of thinking, uh, think outside the script. And I came up with some rules of engagement for that. And like one of the rules of engagement is be curious, not assumptive. Don't assume anything about the prospect because you can do all the research you want in the world, but if you've never talked to the person and you don't work at that company, do you really know what's going on inside the company? You probably don't, you know? And, and then the other thing that you did there, one of those other rules of engagement is ask for permission and do it often. It's not, so I want to set up a call with you and talk. It's like, Hey, does this make sense to talk about or not? Give them the choice. People want their autonomy. Uh, we talked about Chris Voss last time we chatted and uh, I love that uh, approach from Chris Voss around letting people say, like making it okay to say no and actually, you know, formulating your questions in a way where they don't have to say yes to continue the conversation, right? There's a whole art to that. But his whole thing is people want their autonomy. They don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to be controlled. They want to have choices and options. Yeah. You know, I think back to that story where I, where I mentioned my dad talking about my hair and he said, I mean, you can keep it if you like. I just think it's hideous. And if he had said, well, you got to change that tomorrow morning, I would have said, no, I'm going to keep it for a month. And it would have been hideous. He's like, you can do what you want. I just think it's hideous. It's like, well, it's my choice. And I'm changing it because it's ugly. Right? Yeah. But it's like, but it was my choice. I had the autonomy to do it. I think the same thing that too often, it's like you either get the stereotypical people prospecting who are in wealth management. It's like, well, if I had one or two good ideas, would you want to hear about them? And I usually say, no, no, it just, it'd be too overwhelming. Or yeah. I had someone, someone who prospected me, uh, prospected to me, and the guy says, the guy says, well, so I have this, I have this foolproof formula for LinkedIn that will, that will, you know, will, you know, and every single client I've worked with has generated amazing results. So, so when do you want to talk about it? And I replied and said, well, I, I probably wouldn't. It would just, I think it would be too overwhelming, <laughs> and I would have too much success and wouldn't know what to do with it. Thanks anyhow. Right? But it's so like hilarious. That, that, that assumptive part, instead of being curious, I love that you touch on that because it's such a valuable piece, which is if you're curious, then you have a conversation. If you're assumptive, then you're talking at somebody and none of us likes to be talked to. We like to have conversations with people. Yeah. And it automatically, you know, with cold calling, for example, people talk a lot about tone. There's so many misconceptions where they use that rule where 93% of your communication, since they can't see you, is the tone and only 7% is what you say. It's like, come on, right? It's, it's both what you say and how you say it. But tonality, don't overthink of it or overthink it, excuse me. When people say, I want to improve my tonality, I'm like, no, no, no. You have good tonality, most likely, if you're having success in sales. You just need more of that to naturally come out. And if you approach it out of curiosity, your tone sounds more like, hey, Ian, so I'm really curious versus, yeah, Ian, anyways, I want to set up a call with you. Completely different tone. Yeah. Are you already a member of the Same Side Selling Academy? Right now, you can get a free preview and free access to the three-part course, Growth During a Crisis, complete with worksheets, quizzes, 
and a coach's corner with me. Just visit samesideselling.com slash podcast and enter the code SAMESIDE1. No strings attached. People are so much more receptive to the, you know, I don't know if you're dealing with this, but I come across a lot of people that say this. Yeah. That tonality is so disarming and you don't have to fake it. You don't have to put on the sales voice or, or improve your tone, so to speak. Just let it naturally come out through your curiosity. I love that message because it's, if you're sincerely curious, it comes through. If you're feigning curiosity, that also comes through crystal clear. So the people who say, oh, I really want to learn more about your business. And as soon as you connect to them, let's say on LinkedIn, it's like pitch, 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 pitch. And I'm thinking, okay, like this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And there, I'll, I'll pull up because you'll, you'll appreciate it, but private message communication. I had with somebody on LinkedIn that was just so pathetic. And it's just this poor guy is like, well, I do this and that. And I, and, and so we, we have this, we, you know, we, we think that they're, that they're, you're right. There is too much spam on LinkedIn. And so, um, and so you need to develop an authentic way to connect with people. And I replied, well, so how long do you think it'll be before you come across something that comes across authentic? (laughs) It's like, well, you didn't think mine was authentic? I said, well, clearly not. <laughs> it's like, it's like I connected to you and the first thing you did was pitch me on what you have. It doesn't yeah. seem very authentic. So, so how do you help people avoid that premature pitching? Well, what I always like to say is, you know, people, prospects, first off, don't care about features and benefits. They care about results. So that's, that's the first part is, hey, remove the features and benefits talk altogether because people have... Uh, they have no perception of what that is because most likely the person who reaching out to you doesn't even know who your company is or who you are, or what your product does. So you talk about all these weird things. It's in a language they don't understand results related to what they care about is a language that they understand. The other thing too, is I really challenge people to, when you're writing an email or coming up with your talk tracks or whatever for a cold call, if, how would you do this if you could not mention the name of your product or your company or what it does. Yeah. If you couldn't do that, how would you talk about it? And normally when you do that, it kind of stumps people at first. They're like, well, oh God, it's kind of hard to talk about this without mentioning the feature. I'm like, but, but it isn't though. No. It really isn't. Talk about their job and what they do and talk about a way that they could do it differently or better or think about it differently. And when you approach it like that, it forces them to think about this empathy thing. It's, it forces you to think about it. What is this person doing? And it can't be – the reason why I say skip the features and benefits is even the benefits, if you just say save time, save money, make more money, like the three common benefits, it's so generic and vanilla that people are going to be like, well, they'll no duh. Yeah, I would love to make more money. Yeah, I'd love to lose more weight. Yeah, I'd love to have more muscle mass. Yeah, I'd love to be taller. Yeah, I'd like to be good, more good. No duh, right? You know what I mean? So I don't know if that answers your answers your question or not, but I, I just try to don't talk about your product or your company at all. And how would you go about talking to this person if you couldn't yeah. do that? It's it's interesting. In same side selling, we talk about the notion of at your first interaction, you want to talk about the clients, what we call their elevator rants. My buddy Bob London coined this term, the elevator rant. And the idea is instead of talking about, people talk about their their elevator pitch, the elevator rant is what would your client likely be complaining about that you're good at solving? 
So when I reach I out that. to them, I don't, I don't say, oh, well, here's what we do. I say, well, so when using your project manager example, so when construction project managers reach out to us, they're usually reaching out trying to solve one of two or three major problems. They're either facing this problem, this problem, or that problem. And you know what? For the right organizations, they tell us we deliver amazing results for that. Not everyone's the right fit for how we approach that. And I don't even know if you're facing one of those problems to begin with. Is, is it worth us even having more of a conversation? And then I've just kind of laid out, here are the problems we solve. And for the right people, they get great results. Don't know if you're one of those people. So psychologically, what goes on is they're thinking, man, I hope I'm one of the people they can help. Or they say, yeah, I don't have one of those problems, in which case they don't have interest. And I say either outcome is a good outcome. Because what we don't want is someone who says, well, your toy looks kind of neat. I don't know why I would need it, because that's just going to suck into the vortex of evil, and you're never going to end up with a good outcome anyhow. So if we can start with focusing on those problems we solve, that can often pique people's interest. So what do you think about that approach? No, I love that, because what it also takes in consideration is that you know, most people – you know, they don't like saying no, including myself, you know, so when someone knocks on my door and I went door to door for years, you know, selling house painting services and then teaching college students how to go door to door. Still, when someone comes to my door and I could tell they put a lot of work in and they're sincere, I, I really have a tough time saying no to them. So people don't like saying no. And when you give them an easy way to opt out and say, you know, actually that's not a good fit. There's something psychologically going on there where, they just feel more comfortable being honest with you. That's, that's really yeah. what it's about. You, the whole sort of what I wrote down at the very beginning of this is brutal honesty. Like allow your prospects to be honest with you. Yeah. So here's my question for you, because I've, I've got some philosophies on this. I want to hear yours, which is what are some of the tactics that you recommend people take early on in a prospecting call to, you know, there's, there's this, there's this science that says, look, there's certain things you have to do to, you know, when you first call, you've got about, you know, three to seven seconds, depending on what it is. And then if you, if you attract their interest, then you buy yourself another 15 to 20 seconds. And then, you know, there's different mm -hmm. formulas that people have. So what are some of the approaches that you help your clients take that you've shown to be effective? So the attention span thing, so attention span is important. That doesn't mean you need to get your pitch out in the first you know, 10 seconds or, or the reason why you're calling. It really just needs to be like in those three to seven seconds, they're deciding. And a lot of that's based on your confidence and the tonality that comes across and like all this other stuff. So in terms of like opening a cold call, there's, so there's three parts. There's the open, there's the hook, and then there's the close. So okay. the open, really what you're trying to accomplish is you're just trying to buy time. And you do that in a couple different ways. So again, I'm looking at what's the experience like for most people on the receiving end of a cold call. Uh, one, the person has introduced themselves. So they don't know who they are and what company they're calling from. And then two, the person doesn't explain the reason why they're calling. Because what I want to know when I pick up the phone, if it's unexpected, is how long is this freaking phone call going to last, right? So the opening of the cold call, uh, it might sound something like this. So there's one little part to this that I want to make sure people pay attention to. And that's the opening line and how I ask for permission. So that's one of the other rules of engagement is asking for permission. So, um, hey, is this Ian? It is. Hey, Ian, this is Jason with Blissful Prospecting. Um, how have you been? I, I've been fine, Jason. What do you ask? Um, hey, I was, just, I was just calling you. Uh, great that you're doing well, by the way. Um, I was calling you because 
I wanted to, I was researching you. I was, I was on LinkedIn. I noticed that you do sales speaking. And one of the things that we find with a lot of sales speakers is they tend to do this. I would talk about yeah. a challenge. Um, I'm not sure if that's something you're running across, but is it cool if I just take 30 seconds to tell you why I was calling? Is that all right? And then you can decide from there. If yeah, so I, I, love, I love the thing you're asking for, hey, is it okay if I give you 30 seconds? And then how important is it that they adhere to that 30 seconds? It's 30 seconds-ish. Don't go over 30 seconds. Yep. So if your pitch is more than 30 seconds, you got, you got some problems, you know? Yeah. Um, but I'm going to introduce myself. The how have you been line, uh, gong.io, they do call recording analytics in that line works extremely well. You might be listening to this now and be like, oh, that's kind of weird. How is that different than asking someone, how are you doing? It's very different. People respond to it in a very, very good way for whatever reason. I'm not really sure what it is, but there's an actually a lot of data behind it. So, but the response is very similar to that. That's what I usually get. Um, I'm good. How are you doing, Jason? Or yeah. what's, what's up? How can I help you? Well, the reason for my call, that line, the reason for my call is this, do that personalization, show them that you research them, that you have a purpose. What I'm hearing is this, if it's cool with you, can I get 30 seconds to tell you the reason why I'm calling? And then you can decide from there if this is something that you want to continue chatting about or not. That sounds yeah. good? Cool. And then you go in. So that's a, a, called an upfront contract. Sandler kind of popularized that, but that's a, just a really old psychology thing that people have used in teaching and coaching and all kinds of different stuff, you know, giving, giving the person a way out. Sure. Yeah. And there's, and there's different strategies for that even because for some of my clients, we'll say to them, look, if you can say something that's almost self-deprecating early on, then you can also capture their attention. It shows empathy. So if I know that they're not really looking forward to someone prospecting them, it could be, it could be, Hey, it's Jason calling from, from blissful prospecting. Um, do you want to hang up? Right? And then people are going to laugh and you're gonna, they're going to buy you the 15 seconds to set up your 30 seconds. Yeah. Well, that, and that's a pattern interrupt. That's yeah. that, they're probably never, ever going to hear that from anyone else that calls them. So anytime you can think about what the normal experience is like, and then do something different than that, especially at the beginning, that's where you can capture their attention. And um, another good example with the attention span thing is it's really, it has context to it. So think about attention span when you're doing something, when you're, I don't know, if you like to golf, let's say when you're golfing or you're giving a speech, that's actually more relevant to you. When you're giving a 60 minute keynote, would you say that you're pretty engaged? Like your attention span is pretty engaged for the entire 60 minutes? I would hope so. Yeah. So it depends on what you're doing. So yeah. if the person is engaged in that activity, their attention span actually lasts a lot longer than seven seconds. And that's a way to do it with that pattern interrupt. Yeah, I guess my thought is more when when you initially call up, it's you know the 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 research I've seen says, look, you need to do something that builds rapport in those first seven seconds, or they're not going to be the time of day. Once you get that, they're going to buy you fifteen to twenty seconds to set up your hey, would it be worth it for us to spend thirty seconds, and then you can tell me whether or not we should even continue the conversation, and then they say okay. So now you're going to give me a definitive time amount of time, and then it's my choice. I have the autonomy. Yeah, I'll, I'll hear you out for that 30 seconds. But oftentimes what I see people do is they call up and it's like, hi, this is Ian Kong from so-and-so, and we have this and this, and, this, and they're going into all their features and benefits. And it's like, dude, you realize that most of the people have hung up before you reach sentence two? Yeah. Because <laughs> there's no interaction whatsoever. 
Hey, I, I know that I know that you've done some work around the the future of prospecting, and I know that you've got um, something for our audience also. So where where do they pick up this piece of amazing brilliance that you have? Yeah. So normally, what I would say is, if you're listening to this in the car or you're at the gym, but depending on when you listen to this, you might not be able to do either of those two things. <laughs> but if you want more of a, a guide version of what we're talking about, uh, we put together a PDF on the future of prospecting. And it's got a lot of those rules of engagement we talked about. Um, it's got about uh, this teach, don't take thing and how to be helpful. It's got more of that in guide form. You can pick it up at blissfulprospecting.com slash same side. And the same side is just one word. Um, and that's the best way to get, we have a in my opinion, we have one of the best email. Uh, it's not even a newsletter. The emails we send, it's like a 50% open rate on our email list. We wow. only send stuff that's valuable to people. So it's just content is 99% of what I email out is content like that. That's free from our podcast guides. We got a reply method guide. That's also going to be included in the email that I send you. So I would definitely check it out. That'd give you a really good idea for free, what we're all about. And and then you can decide, you know, from there, if you want to unsubscribe. <laughs> you know, that's perfect. And I encourage, I encourage people to check out all the stuff you're doing at blissfulprospecting.com. And people should know that I get pitched by people for this show. Every single day, someone's pitching and wants to be a guest on the show. And, and 99% of them, we say, yeah, no, thanks. And Jason reached out to us the first time he was on the show with a personalized video that caught our attention. And then the more I followed the work that you do, um, the more of a fan I've become. And so, you know, I encourage people, if you want to really tap into the insights and the right way to prospect, you should check out what Jason and his lovely wife are doing at Blissful Prospecting, even though she's not a big fan of his new hairstyle. <laughs> I appreciate the kind of words, man. That means a lot. All right, Jason. Hey, thanks for coming on, man. Yep. Jason always shares such great information. Be sure to visit blissfulprospecting.com slash same side to get their free guide on the future of prospecting. Let me give you a quick recap. The key points you can apply to prospecting in your business right away. First, to understand your prospect, ask existing clients the question, how has life changed for you? Second, remember to be curious, not assumptive. Don't ask questions because you were told to do it to get to your pitch. Listen actively. Third, ask for permission early and often. Remember to give your prospect autonomy. And finally, your goal is to start a conversation, not make a one-call deal. See if you can uncover an area where you can be helpful and be respectful of their time. Get your free access to the Same Side Selling Academy. Visit samesidesellingacademy.com slash podcast and enter the code SAMESIDE1. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everyone can embrace, especially your customer. Bye now.